Hello and welcome back to Faith Fire Media, a brand new episode for you this week, and we're going to go into a very important topic. It doesn't get more important than this. The topic today is the answer to everything. The answer to everything. I don't care what you're facing. It could be depression, anxiety. So many of us are dealing with that right now. It could be homelessness. It could be a disease. It could be something going on with your mental health. It could be relationships. I tell you, it could be financial. I'm telling you right now, the answer to what you are dealing with is very simple and it's in a person. I'm talking about Jesus, but let me tell you what you're going to find out today. What you're going to hear from a dream from the Lord today is going to change your life. I'm guaranteeing it. It's going to change your life. Get ready for transformation that begins right here. If you're watching me on YouTube, you see me pointing at my head in your mind. The word of God today is going to blow your mind. It's going to renew your mind. It's going to transform your mind. It's going to conform your mind to being a kingdom citizen. If you're not in the kingdom of God, hold on. Don't go far because I'm going to tell you how to become a citizen of the kingdom of God as we go into the answer to everything. It is the latest episode of Faith Fire Media. I'm your host, Frank Mickens, and I'll be right back after the intro starting right now. Framing is here back with you, and I cannot wait to dig into the meat of this message today. The topic is simple, the answer to everything. I want to introduce myself to you, reacquaint some others to who I am. I'm Frank Mickens. I am the president and founder of Faithfire Worldwide Revival Ministries, and we are about fanning the flame of revival around the world. We want to do that in three specific ways. We want to use sports and entertainment venues to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see a national day of revival declaration from the White House, just like the national day of prayer and we want to broadcast revival like we're doing right here all over the world social media is a part of that radio is a part of that television is a part of that whatever new media is coming is part of that we have a mandate from the lord jesus to bring the transformative power that delivers heals and saves in jesus christ all over the world we believe we're in an era where we have never needed the word of god more than we do now people have fallen away from the faith people are struggling with their faith maybe that's you today i've got good news i'm going to tell you how to start over. I'm going to tell you where everything begins. I'm going to tell you today the answer to everything. And uh, Faith Fire Media is going to help you with that. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Psalm 42, and we're going to dig into the Word of God today. But let me tell you, I'm going to start today with a dream. And if you've been following our ministry for any time, you probably are familiar with the fact that the Lord just really floods me with dreams and visions. And many of them I'll pull out as the Lord leads to present to you as an illustration of the truth of the Word word of God. Just how metaphorical, powerful, vibrant, uh, delicate, detailed, uh, colorful these dreams are, and the Lord truly uses them to unveil his heart. He wants you to know him. The Father sent Jesus Christ, as Jesus spoke, to reveal the Father. He is the Word made flesh. He is the Word, the mind, the thoughts, the ways, the principles of God that we find in this Bible in the flesh, in a person. 
the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, Christ himself, the Messiah, was the Word and is the Word made flesh. He illustrated the mind, the heart, the will, the principles and the purposes of God. And so these dreams do a little bit of that as well. They truly color in some of the blank spots in the coloring book of the Bible, so to speak. So I pray that this blesses you today. Just in case you want to know how you can find us, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. If you're watching me on YouTube, of course, you know that. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter as well. And our website is faithfireworldwide.com. You can find out what we're doing in terms of ministry on our website. And certainly would love you uh, to partner with us. If you want to become a prayer partner, it's easy to do that. If you want to become a financial partner, it's easy to do that or sponsor as well. Uh, Certainly, we want to make way for that if that's on your heart. All right. So let's talk about this dream today. And it's really cool. It's in New York City. I had this dream. In fact, let me pull up my notes. Had this dream on June 9th. So it wasn't long ago that I had this dream. If you're watching me on the day we released this, this was just a few days ago, in fact, a little over a week ago. And so I want to share with you basically the heart of this dream. And I was in New York. I was visiting. I'm not from New York, but in the dream, I knew I was not from New York and I'm visiting and I'm on a subway car. And in this subway car, there's a there's like a circle in the floor, a rotunda. No, I don't know how to describe it. I was standing in the middle of the subway and basically the floor started spinning and I got turned around and disoriented. I was barefoot, didn't have my shoes on. Things were just disheveled. I was getting frustrated. I was thinking I might get lost. The subway car gets to the station and I can't get off because I'm still getting my things together. So everything's just out of order. Things are confusing. Things are disheveled. Things are disorienting. And I don't know if that's you right now where you're facing something or you feel like so many things are coming at you so fast. You're still in the midst of a pandemic, possibly. You might be dealing with health issues. You might be dealing with issues of health with your family. Listen, I know we all have things. We have challenges that we're facing, some of them more consuming than others. And I was consumed in this dream. I was just overwhelmed with the way I had been tossed and turned and turned around and seemed like I'd just been mishandled. And you might feel mishandled, but there is an answer. The topic today is the answer to everything. So the door closed. I'm still on the subway. I'm thinking I can't get off. So I'm getting frustrated. Man, I'm in a new city. I don't know where to go. I can't find my way. And that might be where you are. You don't feel like you can find your way right now. You can't get answers. You can't find a solution. You can't come to the end of this thing. It seems like it's going to draw on forever. Whatever your health challenges might seem like years and years and years and they'll just keep coming. But in this dream, I get some encouragement because the door ends up opening a second time. I step off and it turns out I was actually on a bus. So I knew I was on a subway car first. When I stepped out, I turned around. It was a bus. So sometimes things are not what they seem. Something might seem like it's sending you in the wrong direction when it's sending you in the right direction. Something might seem like uh, a vehicle of confusion when it's actually a vehicle that's taking you to your answer. And I want to encourage you because that can be exactly what you're going through. You feel like the confusion will never come to an end, but God actually has an end in mind for you. He's not going to keep you bound and trapped in a place where you can't escape. The Bible, in fact, records that there's no temptation that has come into your life that is more than the Lord knows you can handle and that he will, with that temptation, make a way of escape. 
He will open the door. He will make way for an opportunity for you. And so I want to encourage you if that's you right now. But moving forward in the dream, I get off and I turn to my left and there's nothing there, just street and unfamiliar territory. And so I start getting more frustrated. Oh, my gosh, I got off of this bus or subway car, whatever you want to call it. Where am I? And then I turned to my right and I saw Times Square. Times Square. Now, everyone's familiar with Times Square. The, the huge video boards, the lights, they're bright where you can go and buy discount subway tickets. There are all manner of things to do. Madame Tussauds is there. There's the, the famous toy store that's there. I mean, so many things to do. Walk and see. It is one of the most major tourist attractions on earth. So even though I was visiting, I knew where I was. So now it's being reoriented. I was in a very familiar place, even though I was in an unfamiliar place. And the Lord wants to bring you familiarity. He wants to bring you peace and comfort, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of something where you just feel like this is you're you're in way over your head. God can do this for you. He's actually in control. He's driving the train. He's driving the bus. And if we sit back and relax sometime and just let him carry us, we'll reach our destination. But we do need to partner with him. We don't need to give up. We don't need to let the things that turn us around and turn us upside down and cause us to be confused and out of sorts. We don't need to let those things take control of us. We need to turn over control to God because in the final analysis, he is in control. And so we can trust him. Truly, you can trust God even when things don't make sense. You know, faith is one of those things. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is Hebrews chapter 11. And the Bible is basically encouraging us to say, even if you can't see it, you can have a tangible reason to believe it. It's the substance. Faith is substantive. It is something you cannot hold with your hands, but you can hold on to faith. It's a refusal to give up. It's a refusal to give up hope. It's a refusal not to see the best in something. It's a refusal not. It's a refusal for walking away from God. It's a refusal for walking away from a promise from God. It's a refusal for walking away from faith itself. Faith can give you a substantive foundation to stand on when everything else seems like sinking sand. And I'm talking about faith in Christ. Okay, this is where we need to talk about Jesus. Jesus Christ, the son of God, was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb who volunteered before the foundations of the earth to die for your sins because he knew before you were even born that it was impossible for you to live a perfect life. And he also knew that God is a perfect judge. So you sin, you make mistakes, you've hurt people, you've hurt God's children, you've hurt yourself. And so there's got to be punishment for that. So Jesus volunteered to come live a sinless life, which gave him the right to volunteer and say, even though I don't deserve this punishment, I volunteer. I'm going to step up to the plate and take the punishment on behalf of everyone in the world who puts their faith in me. And that's what he did on Calvary, on the cross, in the place of the skull. And he was beaten, maimed more than any other man and took your punishment. The Bible records that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So he took our chastisement for our peace. The Bible says that by his wounds, we are healed. 
He volunteered to be wounded as the perfect son of God, God in the flesh. He had never made a mistake. He stood as a sheep before its shears is dumb. He didn't defend himself in order to get you into the kingdom of God, in order to have an inheritance, in order for you to give him joy in eternity forever, in order for him to have a band of brothers and sisters beyond number, in order for him to be a king of kings. You're a king when you come into Christ. You're a queen when you come into Christ. So you become royalty. And so Jesus did all of this so he could have a kingdom of kings and queens walking in the authority and the power of God above this world, out of this world, living in a world that is not of this world. And if you have not come to Christ, really it's simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came, died, rose on the third day, you will be saved. The Bible says that men who call upon the Lord are saved. Everyone who calls upon the Lord is saved. So pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've run out of steam. If you're real and I know you are, come into my life. I surrender my life. I put my faith in you. I become a follower of God. I love you, God. Now show me the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you get into a Bible-believing church. They're going to teach you the ways of God. They're going to show you how to study the Bible. They're going to show you how to live a life of prayer. They're going to show you how to live a life of freedom. They're going to show you the things that just were transpired in the spirit when you just said yes. And the angels, the Bible records, are, are singing unto God, making melody unto God because of the decision you just made. So congratulations. And we want to hear from you. Touch base with, uh, uh, touch base with us at faithfireworldwide.com. And if we could be of any assistance, we certainly will do that. So the foundation you have by faith now that you're in Christ supersedes your troubles, supersedes your issues. So the Lord wants to take you from being turned around, flipped upside down, disoriented, disheveled, trying to figure things out, feeling lost, right? And bring you to a place where you have comfort even in the midst of something that's uncomfortable. So I'm here in Times Square in this dream and I looked up Times Square and Times Square is known as the center of the universe. God, that's so encouraging. So I went from feeling lost to being in the center of the universe. Everything else revolves around right here. I was in a place where everything else would come to, to, co together. Everything else would flow from here. Times Square is also known as the crossroads of the world. So the world looks at Times Square is basically what they're saying. So I was being put in a place, Times Square of stability, a place of familiarity, a place of peace, a place where I could kind of orient myself. And so obviously this dream is speaking to something. Well, Times Square and in my dream, I kept hearing 42nd Street, 42nd Street, 42nd Street. So let's go to Psalm 42. The Bible records that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. So he is a God of mystery. He reserves that right, but he wants you to find the mystery. He doesn't hide it for you not to find it. He hides it for you to pursue it because you're pursuing as you're pursuing the answer to the mystery. You're pursuing him. And he wants you to be engaged with him in his process. He wants you to seek his truth. He wants you to seek his love. He wants you to seek his heart. And so he creates mystery for the purpose of calling you to himself, 
calling you into deeper relationship, calling you to deeper questions, calling you to deeper revelation, calling you to a deeper desire for him. Why? Because he is the center of the universe. He is the crossroads of the world. He is the foundation of everything. The Bible records that Jesus himself was the firstborn of all creation. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher. He is the alpha and the omega. Nothing starts without him. Nothing ends without him. He wrote it all. He wrote the the prologue. He's going to write the epilogue. He writes the conclusion. He writes the index. Amen. He writes everything. He is the one on which everything else rises and falls. Amen, somebody. So listen to what it says in Psalm 42. It says, as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Think of this picture of the center of the universe. It's a place where I am desiring God as a deer is panting for water. So water is a necessity. So I'm panting, thirsting, hoping, desiring, uh, passionate about coming into receipt of God because he's a necessity. This is the answer to everything. A relationship built on hunger and thirsting after God himself, not just the wisdom of God, not just reading the Bible, not just doing devotionals, not just going to church, not just knowing verses by heart, not just going to church conferences, not just dressing the part not just teaching Bible class, not just preaching a sermon, not just saying the right things, not just tithes and offerings, not just being involved in ministry, not just teaching people about Christ, but a pursuit for God himself. So the center of the universe is God himself. He will give you stability, comfort, And I know people are saying, oh, Frank, I knew you were going to say this. This is not so extravagant in its revelation. No, it's not. But we're going to talk about some things. Listen to what it says in Psalm 42, verse two. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So in your person, when you're born, there is an inbred, ingrained thirst for God. Now, you might cover it up with food. You might cover it up with substance abuse. You might cover it up with relationships. You might cover it up with having a pet that you just can't love too much. You might cover it up with travel. You might cover it up with loving your spouse. You might cover it up by reading a lot and getting intellectual understanding and knowledge. You might cover it up by doing good deeds. You might cover it up by getting ordained as a minister and preaching. You might cover it up by starting a church, but the thirst inside of you will not be uh, quenched except for God himself quenching that thirst. And it's daily, baby. It's got to be 
all day, every day. You can't just get with God today and two weeks later, oh, the thirst is gone. Or two weeks later, I know I haven't been in the presence of God and so it's okay. No, that two weeks was a dry season. That was a place where your soul was thirsting for God himself and you did not feed your soul what your soul is desiring, the necessity of your soul. And so you were in a dry place. Many of us are looking for answers in a dry place. We're looking for answers in a desert. We're looking for water in a desert place. We're looking for something impossible. And God is willing to do it if you come to God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say seek first anything else except the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says all other things will be added to you. The Bible tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. Listen to that. Delight in God. Don't delight in religion. Don't delight in preaching. Don't delight in church attendance. No, in God himself. Moses prayed. He said, Lord, I want to see you. I want to know you. You're telling me all this great stuff. You just showed me the tabernacle. You gave me the Ten Commandments. It's not enough. I've been sitting on a mountain hearing your voice. No one else can come up here. I have a favor with you. It's not enough. I want to know you. Who are you? His soul, even after all of those amazing revelations, literally the Bible was written through Moses by God in the first five chapters. He's writing about creation. God showed Moses how he created everything. And Moses was still saying it's not enough. Listen to me. The Bible is showing you that that thirst in your soul is so deep that if you ignore it, you're basically disabled. When you're ignoring that, you're empty. When you're ignoring that, yes, you are in a desert place. The good news is God says he'll make a way in the desert. Come on, somebody. That is the word of God. He says, I make ways in the desert. He makes streams in the wilderness. He makes streams in the desert and ways in the wilderness. This is our God. So, Frank, what are you getting at? Verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. There's a living God right here, right now, who wants to commune with you. He wants to dine with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants you to take time out of your day for him and him alone. It's you and God sitting, entertaining one another by the love you have for one another. Listen, he has love for you that he's going to pull out of you, a love for him. But you've got to first encounter his love, which means you've got to put your face to his face. You've got to make room for God so that you can receive his love. So you can receive the revelation of his love that was poured out in the blood of Christ. He showed you his love on the cross. He wants to give you a deeper revelation of Jesus, a deeper revelation of the cross, a deeper revelation of the suffering servant, a deeper revelation of how he looks up to you, a deeper revelation of how much he would do for you. The fact that he's been chasing you your entire life and he's got open arms waiting for you to come to him, your father's house where the Bible records everything you need is in your father's house. I'm not talking about daddy or your birth certificate. I'm talking about daddy in heaven who's got your name recorded in the book of life. He is the center of everything, not your religion, not just your Bible. I'm talking about the living God. 
Many of us fall from faith because we never met a living God. We know about him, but we don't know him. Be honest with yourself. Are you a person who's okay with just Bible study? If so, you're missing it. Your soul is thirsting for the living God. And listen to what it says in verse two in Psalm 42. The question is from the psalmist, when shall I come and appear before God? Oh, the spirit of God is calling you. You want to see him, don't you? And I know you're wondering, well, how can you see God? He will reveal himself through his word by his spirit. And he can do it in ways that are beyond your understanding. This is why they went to the upper room 50 days after the death of Christ. They called it Pentecost. They had a hunger and a thirst for more. Jesus was gone. They couldn't see him anymore. 40 days had passed and he had been in the earth walking and revealing himself to the apostles and saying, I am alive, but I've got to go. But I'm going to send a friend. His name is Holy Spirit. His name is the comforter. He is the presence and the power of the living God. Do not leave this place until you see the living God. Do not leave this place until you experience the living God. Do not go do any ministry until you experience the falling down of the living God. He said, don't you do it. I have an assignment on your life. I know I told you to go and preach, but this ain't about preaching. This is about me. We have got to come to spiritual maturity to understand all of the tradition, all of the, the form and the fashion doesn't glorify the Lord. The Bible says, he says, have I required sacrifices? No, that is not what I have required. He wants a contrite heart. He wants your heart, a heart that desires him, a lowly heart that's not trying to build itself up into a puffed up religion religious person. No, he wants you to be a dying person, a person who dies to his will because you see the brilliance of his beauty and how nothing else compares to the brilliance of who he is, the presence of God. The writer goes on to say in verse three, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? So there are people going to be saying, listen, I don't see him. I don't even see him working in your life. You've got problems. So where is your God now? These are real things, right? We ask these questions. Where are you, God? Where are you? What was he saying he was crying about? So his soul was crying. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. He's been eating tears in his soul. He's been sorrowful. Why? He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. Look, he says, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. He's saying, my soul is sorrowful because I think about how glory it, it was when I used to go into the house of God and I would experience the joy and the praise of his presence, but I can't discern him right now, which is why my soul is thirsty, which is why I'm panting for the Lord, which is why my soul is not, it's not quiet. He goes on to say in verse five, 
Why are you cast down on my soul? That's you today. If you're if you're listening to this podcast or watching me right now on YouTube and you click because you need an answer, you saw the topic, the answer to everything. That's because there's something in your soul that's not right. It's thirsting for more. There's a part of your soul that's reaching out for the living God to fulfill an unfulfilled need in your heart. And it's a good place to be because God is willing, waiting, and available to answer your cry. The Bible records this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he delivered him out of all of his troubles. That's the God we serve. He says, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Why is my soul not quiet? And then he speaks to his soul. He says, hope in religion. No. Hope in the pastor. No. Hope in Krishna. No. Hope in democracy. No. Hope in the presidency. No. Hope in Congress. No. Hope in the GOP. No. Hope in Democrats. No. He says hope in police. No. He says hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help. Get this now of his countenance. Oh, God. He didn't say for the help of his hand. That's going to just give me things. No, no, no. It's the help of his face. I want to behold the face of God. Yes, the living God has a face and he wants you to see his face. It's the face of Jesus. The writer of this psalm was so disturbed. They had to put a pen to the paper and start writing out words that did their best to describe the unsatisfied dissatisfied condition of his empty, dry, panting, disquieted soul. And the answer, he says, is in God and his countenance, his face. I got to see your face, God. I don't just want the truth. I want who is the truth. I want the living God. So some of this might sound like preaching. Some of this might sound so highfalutin. Some of this might sound so high and mighty, high-minded, all of that stuff, pious. No, God wants you to know him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to see him. Listen to this in verse 7. At Psalm 42, still where we are. Remember, this is the center of the universe, the crossroads of the world. This is the answer to everything. Verse seven, deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. The writer and the revelation of Holy Spirit is saying there's a deep part of you that needs satisfaction. We're going back to your soul, your mind, your desires, your wills, your lusts, your passions, your intellect, your emotions, your thoughts. All of that in you is subjective. 
It's not impartial. It's impacted by your environment, your experiences, what you have, don't have, input from external sources. It is rocked. It's turned around, tossed and turned in waves and billows and storms. And you need something, in fact, someone to deal with that deep part of you. And it says your deep calls unto deep. What is that? The depth of God. So the deep of you is calling out for the deep things of God, the things that cannot be uttered with words. I can't even describe my soul's condition sometimes. I can't even describe the dissatisfaction that can't be filled. It's almost like when you're hungry and you eat and it's good and then four hours later you're hungry again. Listen, that's just a precursor. That's just a shadow of your soul's desire for the living God. The Bible records that creation groans for the revelation of the sons of God. Listen, Creation, nature itself is crying out for a reconciliation to God. Creation. I'm talking about grass, lilies, frogs. They have a knowing inside of them that was put inside of them by the living God that they discern and desire the spirit of God. And I know this might sound crazy. It's in the word. Creation groans for the revelation of the sons of God. They want to see God's will be done. They want to see God move. They want to see God bring things into fruition. They want to see God bring things to closure. The creation has been under duress because the will of man has put pressure, put de degradation on the creation because God left creation under us and we can't get into all of that. I want to get back to the word of God that your deep is crying out for the deep things in the Lord. And it says at the noise of your waterfalls. Have you ever heard a waterfall from from a ways out? You know how you can hear water and it might be a mile away, half a mile away. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, I hear you. I know you're here, but my deep's calling to that depth. I can't experience that right now. I want to experience that which I know is out there. I can see it from a distance, but I want you close. And then it says, all your waves and billows have gone over me. He's talking past tense. He's saying, listen, I've, I've, I've felt your glory. I have discerned and been in the midst of your goodness. I've experienced the fullness of joy in your presence. And I need it now. All of that needs to come down now. My deep is calling out to your deep. I know you're near, but I haven't experienced you lately. And my soul is disquieted. My soul is un comfortable and I need God and God's face right now. Isaiah chapter six. Come on, Lord. We're going to go there right now. This is where I, the prophet Isaiah is in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where do you want me to begin, Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's in the presence of the Lord. And he says in verse five of Isaiah six, he says, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now watch what he says for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah is in the presence of God to the point where he can say, I have seen him. That is your heart's cry. 
Your soul is thirsting to see God. And I know what happens is faith has to kick in because we don't believe a lot of times that we can see him. We think religion is the best we have. Literally, we've been taught that Holy Spirit is not active. We've taught the Holy Spirit is not close. We've, I'm not saying I've taught this, but I've heard this taught that the gifts and the power of God are not for today. That that was a former, is what they say, dispensation. Not true. I've lived it. I've experienced it. I've sat in my bedroom talking to my wife and the Holy Ghost just falls down and I feel the power of the Lord and I'm speaking in an unknown tongue. Somebody bless the Lord. Listen, if you're coming to faith fire media you're coming to a truth i'm not gonna be over here pigeonholing you into something that's not real and flourishing and powerful and just exploding with the goodness and sweetness of jesus christ he wants to be the consuming fire of your life open yourself up to the truth of the word that he wants you to see him he wants you to as the word says abide in him Oh, Jesus, you mean I can abide in God? You mean to tell me that I can have an abounding life in the Lord? That there's a bringing in that the Lord is trying to transpire in my life? Absolutely. The Bible says so. And the Bible is true. You don't have to argue with the Bible. Jesus himself said in John 15, abide in me abide in me. He comes later in Revelation and says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens the door, I will come in and I will die. Listen, there's a closeness the Lord wants with you. God, how much time do I have? I don't have much time. We're going to pick this up in uh, at least one more, um, one more teaching. I, the Lord says, I need to teach about the levels of of worship. There are three levels of worship. Most of us have never gotten past the second level. There's a there's a physical level of worship when I'm doing things to try and earn God's affection. Then there's an emotional worship, which, which most of us have experienced. You might be crying. You might be saying, I want you, God. I need you, God. You might lift your hands. But that is not the most deep uh, transformative level of worship. The transformative level is spiritual worship. When you're worshiping God in spirit, in spirit, that's when you don't want anything else except to see him and to be in him. You don't care about being blessed. You don't care about your problems. It's just him. Everything just fades away and it's just him and you beholding his glory, his majesty, his goodness, how there's none like him, how he is so merciful to you and full of grace and loving kindness and forgiveness and justice. He fights for his causes. He is not an unjust guy. And you're just seeing how big he is and gorgeous and brilliant and amazing and giving and abundant and encompassing and welcoming and inviting and spiritual. And you just can't get enough. That 
is the level of worship most of us have never gone. We're just concerned with hearing a good song, clapping our hands. You might stomp your feet. You might even dance. Look, you might think it's radical to dance for the Lord. You might think it's radical to run a lap around the church. Listen, all of that is fine and good, fine. But the deepest part of worship is when you're on your face and can't move because you just are under the weight of his glory. You see his face. You see his goodness. The face is not the important thing. I'm not talking about eyes and ears and a nose and a mouth. I'm talking about you see his presence. How can I make that connection? I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 33, and I'm going to show you something phenomenal the Lord unveiled to me just yesterday, and I didn't know when it would come up, but it's coming up now, and I got to get up out of here. Listen, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, Moses is saying, if I have found grace in your sight, verse 13, show me now your way. He said, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. We've been praying for a nation. People have been praying for America. You know what America needs? America needs God. America needs the presence of God. Listen, you can go to Congress and get all kinds of laws written, but if the presence of God didn't write that thing, it ain't going to be enough. Listen, you can go and put programs together. You can go and give away food. Those folks are still going to be hungry next week. Why? Because the presence of God needs to be the author of the solution. The answer to everything is his presence. You've got to have a desire for his presence, a desire where his presence does to you what it did to Isaiah when he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips for I have seen the king (laughs) because I've seen the king. This is a process by which you go into by faith. You've got to believe that God literally wants to visit with you. That the Lord, and I could show you just example after example through the Old Testament of where Jesus showed up and just wanted to be with people. He did it with Gideon. He did it with Abraham. He did it with Jacob. He did it with Joseph. He did it with so many, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. He did it over and over and over and over and over again. He just shows up. To spend time with people. He did it with Moses. He just shows up because he values you. He values you and wants to give you himself. So he goes on to say in verse 14 of Exodus 33, and Moses and God said, rather, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm going to say that again. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm going to look up that word for presence. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to literally read you the Hebrew word. And you can look this up on your own if you'd like. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. And that Hebrew word for presence. Hold on, I'm on the wrong chapter. I'm looking it up here. Exodus 33 and verse 14. That Hebrew word for presence, okay? That Hebrew word for presence is found in the Strong's Concordance. It's 6440 in the Hebrew. It's panem, panem, or panim, panim. That word for presence means face. So God said, my face will go with you. And I will give you rest. So it is impossible to separate God's glorious, brilliant presence where you're in communication with God like Moses. It's impossible to separate it from his face. 
The Bible does say explicitly, no man has seen the face of God and lived. So it's not about you getting a physical description or image of God's face. No, 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 no. This thing's spiritual. This is where you see the blood of Jesus Christ poured out on the mercy seat for you. That God's abundant grace saw fit that he would give his only son to pour out his blood to atone for your sins, to calm and appease the wrath of God against your sin. There's just no way for me to describe it with words. It's inexpressible. It's inexpressible, inexplicable. It is beyond comprehension. It's a feeling. It's something that comes on you. His glory comes on you. He visits with you. And this is something I'm trying to build a thirst for you for. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That Hebrew word for presence in Exodus 33 and 14 is panim. It means face. It means face. You know, the Bible also talks about the blessing in the book of Numbers chapter six, where the Lord had Moses pray for the people. He said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. So there's that thing again, uh, that 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 principle again, his face. Then he says, um, may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Where it says his countenance, that's his face. He wants to reveal himself to you. This is the answer to everything. So 42nd Street in Times Square is where in New York City, going back to my dream, in New York City, you can catch any subway from 42nd Street in Times Square. You can catch any bus anywhere you want to go in the city you can get to from 42nd Street. And the Lord was revealing to me in this dream that wherever you want to go in life, whatever you're looking for begins with your hunger and thirst for God, like we saw in Psalm 42. And you're just crying out for him. I've got to wrap up. We're going to talk more about the levels of worship in an upcoming teaching, hopefully next week. And I pray that this is something you really pray into, that you begin to to determine in your life. We're going to talk about building an altar in the next teaching. Determine in your life to have a place where you meet with God. A routine where the Lord expects to see you. God, I wish I had time. Lord, we bless you for this word. I pray, God, that this word transforms our minds, renews our minds, and really reveals just how desperate you are for us. Your deep is calling unto our deep. The word says that Jesus, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You're desiring us. We are your joy. You want to be experiencing us in intimacy just as much, if not more, than we want to do for you. You see the necessity of spending time with me. You see the necessity of giving you to me. You see the value of projecting all that you can on me for me. It's about you and it's about me. Lord, your word says that I'm yours and you are mine. I pray you build a hunger and a thirst after your presence within us for your face to behold your face. Glory to God. Thank you for this teaching. Keep us in perfect peace as we seek deep, intimate relationship with you. And we know your answer. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Listen, I just praise God for you. If you sat through this teaching, I'm going to prophesy. 
I believe that means you are going to have a visitation from God. You're you have invested your time into this teaching because your soul is crying out for the living God. God's going to meet you. He's going to baptize you in fire. He's going to baptize you, baptize you in his Holy Spirit. That means he's going to immerse you in his spirit. Just make yourself available and open to the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. I love you. I praise God for you. Faithfireworldwide.com is where you can find us anytime. You can get text alerts for Faith Fire by texting the word Faith Fire, all one word, to 55498. Faith Fire to 55498. If you'd like to partner with us, we make that invitation. We're looking for prayer partners. We're looking for financial partners and sponsors. Faithfireworldwide.com is where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can sign up for our prayer partner newsletter. And you can also sign up to be a partner with our ministry. We're taking the gospel. We're carrying the gospel. The gospel is a person. His name is Jesus. His presence is who we carry. And we take his presence wherever he sends us. And we're going to do that faithfully because his presence beckons us to do so. His presence calls us and pulls us and draws us gently into his heart. And there's no better place to be. And so doing this ministry is not about me feeling good about myself. It's about me literally being as close as I can to the Lord. And I pray you live your life the same way. There are breakthroughs for you in ministry. There are breakthroughs for you in relationship. There are breakthroughs for you in the spirit, in your health. There are breakthroughs for you financially, and they are interconnected, interwoven, and absolutely dependent on the presence of the living God. He wants to break through in your life and break bondages. He wants to break bad thinking. He wants you changed more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. I pray that you have a a humble and contrite heart to go after his presence. Not trying to work anything up, but just literally being available and saying, Lord, I need you. I want you and I want to be in you. I want to be with you. I want to see your face. God bless you. I love you. And we will be here next week. See you.